What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Living Electric. We are here with David Hodge of Standard Fleet. Um, Brandon and I met him back at Fully Charged Live last year, and he's a you know fellow EV nerd and EV enthusiast, and works in the industry. So we figured him, uh, we'd have him to, on and kind of talk about his EV story and what he's doing now with Standard Fleet. So, David, you want to give a little intro and talk about what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Happy to happy to be here, and and thank you for having me. Um, I'm joining from from San Francisco. Uh, I don't know. Are, are we on video? I, yeah. I still haven't moved into my. <laughs> I, I just kind of given up on 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 uh, settling in after moving. Uh, no worries. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, yeah, happy to talk about what we're up to. So we uh, we built Standard Fleet. Uh, we help businesses automate and protect and scale their electric fleets, um, and the way we got here. Uh, I mean, just. Really quick background. Um, I, I had built a company and, and sold it to Apple and was at Apple for a while. Um, and then I left and started tinkering on EVs. And so, um, I mean, there's kind of a, an interesting long and winding road, but basically uh, I built an app for Tesla enthusiasts uh, called Nikola for Tesla, uh, not to be confused with Nikola Motors. Uh, <laughs> same, same idea for the name, but we, we had something out on our own sooner. Um, and it was uh, basically a product to, to help EV nerds like myself uh, get analytics and data and trip history and charge history out of their Tesla. Uh, I had a 2014 Model S that I was taking on road trips and, and I wanted this data. Um, and you know the, the super sort of short version of how this company came to be was basically that app took off for consumers um, you know in the stretch of um, I think it was basically between 2017 and like 2021. It just, you know, it was growing and in 2020, it really took off. Um, but then in, in late 21, we, we realized that businesses were using it. And so we wanted to take the tools that we were using for, to, to basically like help people like myself, like nerd out over EV data and like actually truly package them for businesses. We would have these cases of uh, people signing up for our app that had 300 Teslas on their account, right? Wow, and um, you know that's a little surprising. That shows up in your in your logs for your servers, and it right. can, can get your attention. Um, and so, you know, long story short, we ended up focusing on those those customers and, and trying to build something for them. And Standard Fleet was born. This was something that I I, I built myself originally, and now there's a team of us, and um, we've been really focused on it for a year and a year and change. Um, you know, it's funny how you you can start with something that you built for yourself, um, and then end up with a what basically becomes a startup. I mean, I, I joke that the like the early target audience was the sort of Venn diagram overlap of like has Tesla and is nerd. You know? <laughs> how right. we started, and um, that was a useful kind of fertile ground for us to to build some early features, and and now there are businesses that that use the the, the product. So uh, I guess that wasn't that short of a background, but that's yeah, no, no. kind of what we do and how we get started. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Yeah, so that's, your, that's fascinating to hear. Yeah. Is your, I guess your current fleets you're working with, is it like you mentioned the 300 Teslas or that is that, you know, I see a lot on Twitter, you're supporting a lot of kind of like Turo hosts for fleets. Is that your main, you know, customer right now? Are there other types of fleets that you're working with or kind of what are that's those verticals? That's a really good question. We do work with a fair number of Turo hosts and 
we've been especially helpful to them recently with some changes going on at Turo where they've, they've blocked some other platforms so we, we can help Turo host. Uh, we've actually been focusing a lot of our efforts on, on larger fleets. So um, any kind of vehicle fleet that you can imagine, like we've probably talked to someone who has that kind of fleet and is switching to electric cars or is building that kind of fleet with electric cars. So from rental car companies, you know, which are somewhat shorter term rentals to vehicle leasing operations, so longer term rentals, like car subscription services, delivery businesses. Um, I mean, we, we talked to a company that like they deliver marijuana with a fleet of Teslas. We, we wow. like legally, to be clear, uh, <laughs> in a place where that's legal, right? Um, we talked to a company that uh, it's a lingerie company and they give their executives Teslas and they go, go around and drive to boutique stores and like sell, sell their product there. And so, wow. um, you know, we've, we've been really focused more recently, I think on, on like leasing fleets. We get like th those tend to be pretty big and the gap between what they need and like what's available is like really wide. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the, the products that we build, so we build applications and we also build what are called APIs. So application programming interfaces. Um, the the products that we build for those businesses tend to be useful for for everyone. So for Turo hosts, for for whoever, um, yeah, there's 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 quite a range. I mean, I, I think so. We've got we got started. Um, some of our earlier customers were Turo hosts, and one of the wonderful things about working with Turo hosts is they're very eager to adopt new technology, and we can talk to them very easily, right? So hey, we're trying this new feature. Do you want to try it out? Okay, we send it to you over test flight. They can, you know, they can try it out, give us feedback, and we can make their lives easier right away. Um, and then, you know, then we can go and there's a longer process to like convince some big company to allow us to access their cars, right, and and help them with stuff. You know, sometimes NDAs need to be signed. Sometimes we have to fly out somewhere. Um, but yeah, kind of all all over the spectrum up until. Uh, technically now, um, we've been Tesla's only. Um, so, you know, when thinking about like what kind of fleet, it's been Tesla fleets up until now. Um, starting very soon, we will be branching out to other vehicle manufacturers. Uh, we'll be focusing on electric cars, um, but we'll be supporting basically all of them uh, over, over time. It's just Tesla had all the volume. So we, we just kept right. discovering Tesla fleets that wanted more features from us. And we had to just weigh the decision of like, do we add a new kind of car or do we just add features for Teslas? And up until now, the balance has been that like the right decision has been to focus on Teslas. Well, that answered my question. <laughs> That's actually what I was going to ask you next. <laughs> uh, well, we're still, we're still deciding exactly what the next cohort of manufacturers are. So if anyone's listening and they have an EV fleet and they're really excited about X manufacturer, we would be particularly interested to hear that. We're going to support all of them over time, but um, you know we're looking for a good cohort of of actual users that want to use the product as it exists, but for those manufacturers. Um, and you know what's what's really interesting about thinking about branching out is Tesla has sort of become a bit of this like unofficial standard bearer or, or, or whatever with respect to their mobile experience mm. and their APIs. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how other automakers have been sort of stepping up their game because they clearly have, right? They're, you know, the APIs are getting richer, they're getting more responsive. But Tesla, I would say in general, is ahead or was ahead of most, you know, not to. 
point any fingers or anything right. like that. <laughs> yeah. um, but things are, things are definitely improving and we think it's time for us to branch out. Definitely. I was about to say from personal experience, I have experience with the Volkswagen app as well as the MyChevy app. And we just got a Model 3 about a year ago. And yeah, <laughs> Tesla app is much, much yeah. more improved over the other ones, but they're getting there from what I've heard. You know, they're constantly pushing out updates and making it better for owners. So. Right. Is there, um, I guess, could you touch on, I know a lot of like these EV fleets are coming out. Is there kind of a difference you see talking to, you know, some of your customers that maybe are switching to electric where like there's a completely different software platform or different kind of just yeah. like stuff they have to think about as an EV fleet versus a, a traditional fleet? There's a huge difference. Um, and what's funny is on one hand, it's all, we're always talking to the same kind of person at these companies. So the person that we're talking to is like, you know, the innovator or early adopter type. If you were to like look at one of those like business school 101 graphs of like product <laughs> adoption, like it's those people. Yeah. Um, but depending on what company they're in, either they're, they're that person and they're at home in their company because their company is a brand new company that sells EVs and does EV stuff. Or they're like the sort of rebel that might be a bit extreme, but like they're, they're, they're the people that are kind of ahead of the curve and they're trying to basically drag along corporate. Mm. And, um, and so the people are the same, but the, the, the dynamics are very different. It's like, okay, you know, for, I think for the bigger fleets, what's starting to happen is they're seeing like, okay, Hertz bought 100,000 Teslas. How do we play ball? Like, oh, we don't have a team to build that, but like we're trying to compete with them. We're also going to have these cars. Like, what do we do? Um, and so, you know, we're building tools that can allow electric vehicle fleets to to scale, right? And so, you know, we're really good at retaining access to, to, to the vehicles, accessing them in a way that doesn't drain them, um, building automations for people, giving them dashboards, giving them mobile tools, all these things that they need. Like we build that and we that's like our job. Like we're, we're focused on that. Um, and so it starts to, you know, the, the math starts to add up once people are able to sort of convince the higher ups that like, hey, you know, owning an electric car, operating an electric car, it's just, it's fundamentally different from a gas car and there are different needs. There, there are, um, let, let's just say there's a major rental car company in the US that like, uh, well, no, I actually shouldn't say this because I don't want to <laughs> get anybody in trouble, but like th no, there's some work that needs to be done. People people want yeah. to want to uh, adopt EV EVs in their fleets and, there's parts of that user experience that like has not been ironed out, let's just say. And so, gotcha. yeah. And then the innovator types are like, okay, let's try it. Like they'll download the app, you, <laughs> you know, people can, there's an app on the app store. You can go download it. And like, what's so cool about EVs is they're not just electric cars. They're by default internet connected. So mm -hmm. one of the wonderful things that's happening is like, okay, if there's some operator somewhere who's that innovator type and they like want to, try something with their fleet, they can just download an app and log in and start using it. Like we can just show value right away. What used to exist in this domain, like if you wanted to manage a fleet of vehicles, like you had to talk to some salesperson and then you had to decide on some hardware to install. And then the software is probably not very good because it wasn't like a software company. It was like a sales or like hardware driven company that made it rather than like a bunch of people that like really care about user experience. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we, we get pretty excited about like there's this 
like these innovator types that we can talk to and then they can actually just like try the software that they want. And so uh, it's been pretty fun to work with people on this. Anyway, I, I've been trailing off topic, I suppose. But. <laughs> No, it's it's actually giving me a, a giving me a chance to think of a question. Um, so just to take a step back regarding like the dashboard and like the app that you uh, you mentioned, can you give us like a quick overview of like what some of the features that offer Fleet Hosts? Um, I was looking at the website and I did see yeah. that you can sign up for a demo, which is really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was I was wondering if you could tell us some of those features. Yeah, here and you know it changes every day. I feel like I need to log in to make sure I get like, all the focus deployed. So. Yeah, ha happy to. So our dashboard is useful in itself for some fleets and then also a bit of a technology demonstrator for the bigger fleets that have just, you know, hundreds or thousands of cars, right? In some cases, they would hook it up to Zapier or hook it up to their API or something, um, depending on the use case, right? So I can go through a few, a few different things. So one is for rental car businesses, our application and our API can um, provision access to a car and schedule it. So as you know, you can, for example, go into the Tesla app and give someone access. Um, but if you're actually running a business at any sort of scale, like doing that live right when they need it is like just a kind of a non-starter. And so right. for people that care about vehicle access, being able to pre-schedule that is really useful. Um, so that's that's kind of one feature that's been really popular, especially recently. Um, we also do, we also make a lot of effort to ingest uh, supercharging receipts and, and information. And so um, you can actually, in a very simple manner, like go pull down supercharging receipts for all of your cars or a subset of your cars. And so a lot of businesses that we work with that have, that basically rent out vehicles, they want to basically pass on the price of supercharging to their customer. It's actually rather difficult to do this in the Tesla app at any sort of scale, right? So you got to flip through a bunch of cars or a lot of our customers are, are managing other people's cars. And so they need to then like log into different Tesla accounts. If you log into Okay, okay, which car, like which account is that in? Oh, okay, no, that's the wrong one. Oh, now Tesla is blocking me from logging in because they think I'm hacking them because I've tried to log in too many times. Like, right. And so we can basically merge, like we can merge multiple Tesla accounts wow. on a, a sort of a view basis. So you can basically see all the cars across multiple Tesla accounts and do things like, you know, su viewing supercharged uh, receipts, or you could integrate that data directly into your, your like business system. Uh, there's like obviously a lot more that you can do. I mean, a lot of people just use the map. They can see all their cars, where they are, see which, which, which of their vehicles have service alerts, which have low battery. So we'll pull out, like if a car has a 12 volt battery issue, we'll know about that um, and show that um, right on the screen. And so you can see that. You don't need to go into the car to like be surprised by that. And wow. so we were just talking to a company today about proactively responding to those things. So this is a business that has thousands of thousands of Teslas on the road. Hey, if someone has X message, can we just like get notified and so we can call them and so we can deal with that? Yeah. There's there's obviously like, I mean, here, let me pull this up. There's obviously like a ton more things that we can do. Um, I mean, here's a, here's a fun one. So every once in a while, um, a vehicle gets stolen or there's someone like a renter who doesn't return it. Mm -hmm. And so, these vehicles now are internet connected, we can, we can track them, et cetera, but you can also limit the performance of them. And so we have a sort of a panic button that people can press that we call anti-theft mode. So you press that, then the vehicle will very shortly become much more difficult to like, sort of get away in, so to speak. Like it'll drive more slowly, it'll accelerate more slowly, we'll track it more carefully with like at a higher frequency. Wow. Um, yeah, it's like a, a suite of like different tools. We'll also put on 
Well, yeah, I, I mean, I could like sort of rattle off like features. Um, I think the the dashboard is really helpful, just sort sort of for general fleet operations, and then the the mobile app is useful for like folks that are turning cars. Like so, operations team, you know, we talk to fleets that have X thousand cars in rotation, but like at any given time, there's one to three hundred that are in their lots because of service or permitting or whatever, and they need to keep track of them, find them, search, you know, okay, I, I see this car, how do I get access to it right now to get in to drive it to do whatever. And so that's really useful on mobile. And so there's all these tools that can exist that just haven't been built yet. And so we're moving as quickly as we can to, to build these. Right. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I didn't realize you could control things like performance through something like that. That's really cool. Um, is that the only platform like I, I've never, I didn't know you could do that through like the Tesla app or something like that. Yeah, so there might, we might be able to do this on other vehicles. The way we, we're getting started is yeah. it's a combination of speed limit mode and valley mode. So those effectively like oh, give you okay. what, what you need. Yeah. Um, for the like software, for the software nerds among us, um, what's what seems to be happening with cars is like, it's sort, of, it's sort of like what happened to mobile in 2010. You had like mobile device management really come into its own. And so you can imagine like a profile that like gets put on a car and like Tesla effectively sort of does this. Like if you, if you get a, like a test drive car from them, you can make it like behave like a different kind of car or at least you used to be able to do that. You know, they, they, they limit the top speed. I think they don't let you turn off traction control and stuff like that. So you know, we're starting to get some initial hooks where we can do stuff like that. Um, and we think that that's really valuable. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, making sure both the car safe as well as your customer, like that makes a lot of sense. Right. In, I guess in terms of fleets, when we're talking to a lot of customers, like the big question, and we both work kind of more on the charging side of things, what does the charging look like in your dashboard or what kind of things can you control on that side or what are fleets using yeah. that for, I guess? Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's a great question. One of the things that we hear pretty regularly is that the charging space is pretty fragmented. And so when folks are thinking about charging, it's like there's this just kind of, there's just so many different systems to think about or potential providers. Uh, but if, if they have a, a fleet of cars that can be connected to, that provides them with a, a pretty consistent way to influence or affect their charging. And so one of our first customers, it was a delivery business in San Jose, and we built something uh, called Auto Charge for them. It's basically a charging dashboard. It's, it's, a, it's a set of automations and overrides. And the way I would describe this is they were um, overcharging their, their vehicles when power was expensive. They were basically like panic charging them because like, oh no, like maybe we need to make a delivery, et cetera. Um, they were running their cars around a little too much in the, in the parking lot, just like trying to decide, okay, should we charge it now, should we not? And so they were sort of overstaffing on that. And so what we built was a system that would allow them to just, when they, when they return their cars, they just plug them in. And then we will charge the cars always to at least 50%. So let's make sure you've got enough juice to, to make a delivery if you need it. And then we'll charge the rest of the way once power becomes cheaper. And this significantly reduced their overall sort of general power bill, reduced demand charges for them significantly. 
Um, and we also gave them an override tool. So, so this particular company company had a dispatcher. So if, if it's a day where they knew they had a bunch of orders, they could decide, hey, like, you know what, let's just charge all the cars fully. And so that's actually one of the first things we built. Um, and that's that's saving that saved that one company probably tens of thousands of dollars at, at, at this point. Right. You know, that's a company that, you know, it's got, I don't know, uh, about a dozen cars that, that are running deliveries in, in San Jose. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's a, we think there's a lot more that we can do there. Interestingly, like we're seeing some requests for features like that. We're seeing a lot more requests for things like, hey, can you just give us the supercharging costs so that way we don't have to eat the costs? And I, I know I brought this up before, but there's a, there's a lot of that. That we, we were expecting more charge management companies or requests to, to come in. It's, it's kind of funny, like, the, the longer we do this podcast, I'm beginning to realize how charging is kind of like becoming almost like secondhand to the rest of owner experience. Like, I think so many people have the concerns of what charging is. And once they kind of get used to it, it kind of becomes, you know, a thing of the past in a, in a way. But um, with Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tesla's make it easy. But everything else. Yeah. And with Tesla, yeah, so with Tesla, you have superchargers, which yeah. generally can line things. Um, and for us, right, something that I, I didn't make, you know, I, did, I didn't clarify, we're able to manage the charging because Tesla has a good API for their cars. And so we can detect when the vehicle returns to home base. We can detect, you know, when it's been plugged in. We can, we can sort of monitor the charge. We could even, like, bring down the amperage if there's, like, a limit on the breaker that they're on. Like, we, we could do all sorts of stuff like that because these cars are internet connected. And so we would like, you know, charging is obviously critical and important. We would like it to be hyper transparent and just kind of in the background for, for our customers. Um, though the reality is it's it's not, right? For folks that have to think about, you know, in these installations, that that's, that's like a really big decision. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask David, um, in terms of like when things like update in real time, like through the dashboard, is that also the geolocation of the car too? Like, can you see if you have like, say, for example, like 10 Teslas out there, can you see all the pins moving in real time? Yeah, you can't. Um, is this, <laughs> That's incredible. Are we actually recording video? Can I share? We are. Yeah, I was yeah. going to mention that if you want to pull anything up or show it that you're comfortable sharing, obviously. Um, but yeah, feel free to share and that'll be inserted in the episode as well. So, OK, yeah, let's do it. So a friend of the company gave us permission to um, share his dashboard. All right, so our friend Justin, so this is uh, a fleet of his in Arizona. Um, so you can see all the cars, you can see them move around on the map here. And so, you know, here he's got a cluster of eight vehicles. Um, and yeah, this is real data from these cars. So, wow. you know, these cars is in service. Uh, two of these cars have some sort of um, potential issue, probably like n nothing major, but just as an example, um, you know, there might this might this vehicle might have had like a restraint issue, um, and so we actually can see these vehicles on the on the map, or he can uh, to to manage his vehicles, um, and so depending on on you know the the individual context, this can be really helpful, um, and you know this is especially useful for m more like delivery fleets and and the like, um, or like operation centers. But yeah, we actually we. We are capable of getting this data streams uh, essentially from from the ma manufacturer, and so um, you know we, we can see the battery level, we can see all sorts of status, park status, sentry mode, all, all that stuff. 
Right. Um, and so you can build automations around that for people. Oh, that's great. I was going to ask the, I think we talked about this at some point, but the nice thing about Tesla is, like you said, they're internet connected already. You don't need like a dongle, which I feel like most of the fleet industry right now is used to throwing in like a dongle or some sort of device into their car. Is yeah. that definitely like the route you see most EVs going now is they've got, you know, they're just they're, you could connect to their API directly. It's not, you know, throwing a dongle in there and doing anything like that. It is, yeah. We think it's the way of the future, and, and we're pretty dead set on taking this approach. Um, there, there might be some cases where you dongles. We might use dongles as a stopgap measure, but these vehicles are, you know, they have a big uh, antenna in them. Usually, like their connectivity is probably going to be better than a dongle. The data <laughs> story coming from dongles is generally, like from what I've heard, not particularly reliable. Like some of the sensor data that they can get. Mm. Um, and so we just think that this, this data is going to be more, more reliable and it's also just way lower friction for anyone to, to get started and use. Yeah. You know, someone has a fleet of X kind of vehicle. Okay. Just like authenticate and now, now you're connected. And, and the, so the, the economics are really there too. Like you don't need to spend at least a hundred dollars on, on the dongle often plus probably a right. hundred on the installation. Like it depends. Sometimes it's cheaper, right? Sometimes people will, will take a certain kind. And, and you know buy it themselves and like put it in the OBD port and it's going to be cheaper but for like just as an example if you're running a rental car business like some of our customers are they're not doing the sort of just base basic like OBD thing that a customer could easily remove like they're really opening up the car and putting something in there gotcha so yeah we think this is the future and like uh, you know, there are companies out there that are happy to, you know, have their, you know, they, they go through their sales process with you and then it's like, okay, here's the part where we talk about dongles and <laughs> they want to keep doing that. They can keep doing that. But like, they, you know, that's expensive and cumbersome and we just don't think it's necessary. I gotta say, I love how simplistic this is. It, it, you know, learning more about fleets, I feel like that's kind of an intimidating, like, topic for some people, especially those who are trying to figure out how to get started. And I really like the approach that you guys are doing with this. When you guys first started and like when you guys were talking to customers, did you get that comment a lot? Like how intimidating it might be for them to organize this? We, we did. And I, I think, um, yeah, we, we definitely did get that commentary. I, I, I think there's also there was sort of the the absence of, of stress, which was kind of not, notable, right? So there's also there's just a lot of tech savvy people out there that recognize that it should be as simple as logging in somewhere, and so there was also just these enterprising people that it wouldn't have even occurred to them, like, oh, you need hardware to, to do X, Y, or Z. Um, and now, as we talked, like you know, we're moving a market pretty quickly, and we're talking to bigger and bigger businesses, right? businesses that have been around for a while and they they have some pretty strong reactions to not needing hardware i mean it's a huge headache for them they have oh yeah significant support contracts they're always dealing with some car that like oh you know car 210 is having an issue again with whatever and like you know we got to reinstall you know install this again um so yeah we're, we're definitely getting strong reactions from from people about it that's great yeah, just watching like Ryan from the kilowatts and just seeing how he manages everything, especially from like social media, just getting kind of like an in-depth, you know, view of that type of process. I, I saw the the quote from him on your website, and um, it definitely seems like it's really helped him organize things for his fleet. 
we, we've had a lot of fun uh, helping him um, with his fleet for, for sure. He, um, so he's been an early user of like newer versions of stuff. So um, most recently we added um, a, and this, I don't think this is on the app store yet. This might be by the time the podcast goes live. If anyone wants an early copy, they can ask us and we can just send them a test flight link. But we're adding an easier way to upload basically supercharging receipts. Oh, so you cool. can basically pull them from our app and get them added to your camera roll. So folks can just put the upload them right to Turo from, from there for, for folks that use Turo. Um, that's obviously what, what Ryan is using presently to, to host his cars. Um, but yeah, no, he's been super fun to work with on, on that. And, uh, you know, obviously he knows a lot about these cars and is very keen on like using tools to make his, his life easier. Right. Yeah, happy to help. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of a bad millennial in that aspect. <laughs> I feel like there's so many good software tools out there, and I just learn about them. So I appreciate you giving us all this information, David. <laughs> um, I was actually, I was thinking before the conversation today, you know, learning more about this potentially for the future if I ever, you know, create a fleet like with, uh, with Teslas or other EVs. Alex and I talk about that all the time, um, if there's any future business opportunities there. Well, so spe- I, I, I can throw a few more thoughts out here. So speaking of people thinking about building fleets, so Ryan has 52 Cybertrucks on order. Yes. I think, I think he's, <laughs> right. uh, he's not the only person I know who's like thinking of buying a bunch of Cybertrucks to, to rent them out. Um, we're, we're continually surprised by how many different kinds of businesses uh, are starting to think about building EV fleets. Um, one thing also that's, that's interesting trend-wise, which this is kind of a bit, you know, out of left field or, or whatever, but um, in in Europe, what we're finding is there are a lot more. Um, well, frankly, there are a lot more EV fleets than we expected, and I, and I would I would say probably per capita a lot more than than here in the U.S. And what we're seeing is a lot of business activity that perhaps in the past would have been conducted within like a, a an individually owned vehicle is now moving to company owned EVs, mm. um, and so. A lot of the, the quote unquote fleets that we're seeing are companies basically, basically capturing EV incentives and moving like company activity onto their cars. And so that's also been an interesting development. So obviously that's less of a phenomenon here in the US or at least it, it has been. Maybe that's gonna change with some of the legislation that we've seen recently, right? Um, but that's that's also been an entirely like new phenomenon that, that we've seen recently. No, I was, I think it was something like financial related, um, like, are the, I guess, are what kind of like tools are there for, for that aspect? Because you've mentioned, you know, supercharging receipts is probably a big one. Like, are there other kind of financial things that are built into it that might kind of speed things up or make renting easier or things like that? Yeah, so we're working on a bunch of things there. I, I can't announce, I'm not in a position to, to announce them on yeah. the spot, but um yeah, let, let's say if you're running a rental car business, there are some situations in which um, we might be able to save a lot of time and basically boost revenue for folks by making certain features of the car available, et cetera, and then packaging that up in a way that's very easy to, to sell to people. Um, I, I think for, for a lot of rental car businesses, it, you know, incremental revenue can make a really big difference. Um, you know, $10 per rental to access some, some extra feature or something like that. Um, in terms of other financial features, I mean, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but like things related to charging are just like so important for people. And it's just still so broken. You know, you would think that 
okay, we've known about supercharging for a while, like this should be plumbed through, but like, you know, go rent a car from some rental car company and go see how charging goes. You know, rent a Tesla, take it to a supercharger. Does it work? You know, how do they bill you for it, et cetera. Um, and so there's a lot more that we want to do, but there's some basics that we need to help people with first, I feel like. Right. Like the, um, you know, we, we, we learned about EVs pretty early and then we start educating our friends on like how EVs work. I feel like sort of companies institute that institutional knowledge in companies is still in the like, still feels like talking to someone in, you know, 2014 about an EV or something like that. They just don't <laughs> yeah. like, oh, supercharging. Like, how does that work? Right. But like, but from a company perspective, it's like, yeah. right. Okay. That is more complicated. Okay. How do you integrate with this system and, and do whatever? Um, I'm trying to think of other other sort of relevant features that are like directly financially related. We could. I I did want to switch gears to your because uh, you mentioned you had a 2014 Model S, right? Was that that was your first EV? I assume, right? Um, was that kind of like your first foray into EVs at all, or had you been kind of tracking the market prior to that, or what's your I guess EV car history? <laughs> We'd like to ask people. Sure. Yeah. So that was the first EV that I owned. So I bought it early 2015. It was a 2014 P85. It was one of the the P85s that actually had autopilot. Um, okay. They didn't make one of those. Um, loved the car. First for like first official foray into it. Um, I was working at Apple at the time and um, wanted an exciting toy. So. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I've been thinking about EVs for a long time. I've been following Tesla for a while. Um, my, I remember my girlfriend making, my girlfriend at the time making commentary on how like some, you know, basically I would like eyeball all these Teslas like for years, you know, for, you know, seeing them on the streets. I was just like obsessed with them. I was like, oh, I'm never going to get one. That's too expensive. I wouldn't buy a luxury car. Like I, that's not my thing. I had a Hyundai Elantra, right? But then I, then I made the mistake of going on a test drive, which is, you know. Everybody's Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it seals yeah. So the then, deal. Yeah, game over. Yeah, so, so that happened. I mean, interestingly enough, so my um, my co-founder from my, the first company that I worked on, very different company years ago, he and I in high school, we, we actually watched the movie Who, Who Killed the Electric Car in high school. And we're like, ah, oh, this is terrible. We're going to make an electric car. Well, we had no idea what we were doing and like didn't, it didn't go anywhere and we went to college and like, that was it. But we ended up building a different company. But uh, we, we started that company together. Uh, he's our designer on, at Standard Fleet. And so oh, cool. we, we had that kind of interesting, interesting story arc going for us. Um, what, what we built originally was a company called Embark. So we made uh, public transit routing software. So apps to uh, help people navigate big cities uh, via transit. Interesting. And so, you know, it's not exactly an electric car. It's probably like net ecologically perhaps a little better. Right. Than, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's where we got started. Uh, but yeah, no, I love that car. I still have it. I also have a, a 22 uh, Model Y. Okay. Oh, nice. Nice. Have nice. you have you test driven or have you looked at any other EVs? Have you thought about getting a non-Tesla? Has anything else excited you recently? You know, we we've gone on a few rides and a few others, but I haven't been considering um, any others at the moment. I, it does seem like there's some pretty good options out there now, right? At least compared to how, you know how things used to be. Um, but no, I, I've been pretty happy with the Teslas, and I live in San Francisco. I have two more vehicles than I, I need, <laughs> so like, at two cars, I, I really am set for a while. So I'll probably hold off. For a while. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Definitely understand how that is. <laughs> 
Um, anything else, Brandon? I'm trying to think of some other stuff, nope. fleet or nope. EV related. You stole my question. I, I was going to ask about the, the EV history. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah, always I, I w- Yeah, that's always a good question, to, to, especially people who work in the industry. And it's always refreshing hearing somebody who has the EV experience who's working to make a difference in this industry. So yeah. I just want to thank you for that because uh, there's a lot of people who just get in it for you know the financial aspects. So it's always nice to talk with somebody who actually cares. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love this stuff, and, and we, you know, I, I originally built this app just because I, I wanted to understand my car better. Yeah. Um, I, I have one idea for a topic. I, I, I think it could be interesting to share a little bit about what we think is difficult about what we do. Um, oh, because yeah. there's Because yeah. there, there's some nitty gritty, like technical details that I think people might find interesting. Yeah. Um, with, if you can be worthwhile. For sure. Yeah. That was one I was trying to formulate of like, what have you, what have you tried to build that like, is it working or, you know, you've reached some limit of like Tesla features that they don't even have or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, that's a good point. I have to be a little careful cause there's some, some, right. Yeah. Don't, don't give away uh, all the secrets. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So something that's really interesting to keep in mind about EVs is that they're, they kind of feel like computers or servers on wheels, right? Like, yeah, they're a car, they have a battery, but, the kind of technology that's in there, I mean, I think we all like know this cognitively, but like just it's worth pointing out, like there's a lot of computer systems in there. And um, one of the fundamental challenges with pulling telemetry from these vehicles is doing so in a way where your data is hopefully timely, um, but then the, the accessing of that data is not excessively draining the battery of the car, making the car less useful. Right. So, Checking to see if the battery is low, if you do it too aggressively, will lower the battery, you know? And so um, the, I think there's, there's kind of two key dimensions of, what, of technology that we built over years that allows us to then build great features with standard fleet quickly and in a way that, it, that are, in a way that is trustworthy. So one sort of area is, is understanding how to pull data from these cars and basically respecting the battery in the process, right? So that's that's one really key area where we had to learn a lot. I mean, you know, it's it is possible, you know, if people are not careful to like drain these cars, right? You know, 18, 20 miles a day of drain is theoretically possible. It's a thing that you could do if you keep them online all the time. And so um, that's something that, that we think a lot about. And we've built a lot of systems to, to, to handle and we're still tuning, like we're still making mistakes and fixing things and, you know, but we've got a lot of things that we built there. Um, something else that we think a lot about is how to build useful sort of abstractions on top of the intricacies of Tesla and soon other manufacturers. So how do we get data from these vehicles in a way that, yeah, doesn't harm the battery and et cetera, but is also like actionable by us and actionable by our users. So not just, you know, what is the state of the car, but like what has the efficiency been? What trips have been taken? Um, you know, when should we pull the vehicle more frequently because something interesting is happening? Like building all that that sort of technology stack to to allow our uh, customers to basically come in at the level that is appropriate for their business. Like that's a lot of work. You know, sometimes it means like sometimes what we build is an app, right? You just see a dashboard and you're kind of at the top of the pyramid where you know at the bottom is data and then there's like events and insights, etc. The top there's like an app, but sometimes people want um something else they want to access 
uh, data a little further down. And so being able to reliably like keep an active connection with these cars with the automaker um, and expose that, like that's hard. And that's, you know, that frankly, like, you know, we, we have over 70,000 Teslas connected to our system, right? Wow. And so, and years and years of data. And so that has allowed us to get good at this. And so that, that's the thing that's very difficult uh, right. to figure out. I'm sure building the relationship with the auto manufacturer really helps in that aspect too. Um, I mean, just out of curiosity, and you can stop me if there's an NDA or anything like that in place, but um, do you, you know, like if you experience like an issue that maybe they're not aware about, can you bring that up to them to help fix that on their end that obviously then helps you? Like, Yeah, so uh, we, we can and we have. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get anyone in, in trouble. I don't think I would that like we're helping them make their product better. We've definitely discovered things. We, we've like we, we worked with Ryan um, on a security in, issue that, that we, we, we found with some others that we found and we helped him with his submission, just like with a security issue to, yeah. to secure these cars. Um, you know, we, we, we have contacts there that will text or email if we see an outage or we see an issue, et cetera. And, um, yeah, that, that's really, it's really helpful to have those relationships there. And, you know, we try our best to be good, good citizens and respect the APIs and the vehicles and like show that we're responsive. Um, but yeah, that, that, that helps, that helps quite a bit. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. I, I can't imagine, um, I mean, just how useful that crowdsourced data and those interactions are for the auto manufacturer. I mean, they can't have eyes everywhere. So, you know, to have that helping hand, that must be incredibly beneficial. Yeah, have you seen like the, uh, as with anything, you know, internet connected, there's like the reliability issue, right? Have you seen, you know, the connection to all these vehicles be pretty positive? Like, are you like at, you know, 99% of the time you can see what's going on with a vehicle or, or have there been, you know, outages where like vehicles are just down for whatever reason? It, it can happen. Um, I, I would say that the most common reason we can't get data from a vehicle is simply because it's asleep or it's in some parking lot with poor connectivity. Um, you know, I don't want to throw Tesla under the bus or whatever, but you know, they have servers and right. Yeah. Like anything else. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think most, most data gaps are just vehicles going to sleep as they, as they should. Right. It's gotcha. like if they sleep, then nothing, hopefully nothing interesting is happening, et cetera. And so it's a gap, but like there's nothing to see. Right. Right. And so, you know, generally speaking, if we see a vehicle that's asleep, and and that we our application has some reason to be quote unquote curious about what it's up to, it's not usually curious enough to try to wake it up. We'll just let it sleep. We'll wake. We'll right. wait until the time that it wakes up, and then pull data off of it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. Else I can't think of I can't think of any <laughs> questions, David. David, I'm sorry, I'm a bit scattered brain tonight. My AC unit, I think, died before we jumped on the call, and it's 80 degrees in my stu in my office. Oh, no. and we're putting our house on the market in a few weeks, so it's like, I I apologize. Normally, I'm a little bit more prepared for these calls, <laughs> so. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that would be useful to talk about. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I love talking about this stuff. If, if anyone has who's listening has any questions about, yeah. you know, uh, you know, setting up a fleet on, uh, you know, setting up a fleet business, we're always happy to talk and share like what we've learned um, about doing that. Um, 
But yeah, no, this stuff is, it's, it's fun to be like, I'll just make one sort of closing comment. Like it's really fun to be working on something that you care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun to be doing so at a time when like, frankly, like that domain is actually doing relatively well. And, you know, it's a really hard time out there for, for a lot of people just in this economic environment. And it's been, we feel very lucky to be able to work on something that matters and like that is attracting attention and, and resources from smart people. And we feel very lucky to be able to just focus on, on our work and um, ha- helping businesses. And so, yeah, anyway, like I, I uh, that, that's kind of where we're at. We're just like, we're building and, and shipping stuff daily, trying to help fleet businesses. That's, that's kind of what's what we're up to. Awesome. Where can people find you if they want to reach out or I guess you want to blurb, uh, shout out your website or socials sure, or anything yes. like it's that. Com. You can go there and see what we do. You can also sign up actually and try the product there or you can find us on the app store. So if you if you search for standard fleet there, you can actually connect your fleet just by logging in and see some of the stuff that we do. Cool. Gotcha. Well, I'm awesome. definitely going to log in for a demo or sign right. up for one. <laughs> <laughs> I want to check that out. <laughs> Yeah. That's good. Yeah, we can get you set up with a full account. You can try it out. Oh, awesome. awesome. Cool. Well, thank, well, thank you, David. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. thanks for doing this. I appreciate it.